have been wrestling with purpose. What was I created for? I'm more than what you see on the surface. See beneath my skin and scars. I'm skinned and scarred. Marred and twisted. Scarred by the past I need to be lifted. And sometimes I question my own existence. What was I put here for? In my seams, it seems that there seems to be more. It's like I'm a light unplugged from the socket. I mean, do I really exist to put money in my pocket? This nine to five feels like a nine to nine. My mind entwined, I pass the time, life circles me as I wait. What is my estate? I feel like I was made for something great and yet I can't quite put my finger on it. But when I look at my fingers and I see their design, I realize I'm one of a kind and something created me. No, someone created me. And that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling, that even in the midst of my falling, there was someone who died to pick me up, someone who rose to fix me up, someone who's coming back to lift me up. And that someone is Jesus. See, God made me for a purpose. And when I delight in him, it's brought to the surface. Welcome. Great to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Thanks so much for being here. This weather great, by the way. This feel amazing. Loving it. I love winter. It's the best seven days of the year here in South Texas. It's really great. You know, if it, blow, if it drops below like 80 degrees, we're like sweater weather right there, right? Like we're like breaking it out, you know, I'm telling you. If it gets to 60, we just look like full-blown Eskimos, you know what I'm saying? We're like... Everything winter I have, put it on now, you know, because this is like my one moment. You know, that's how we do it around here. So, hey, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate you being here. Last week, we started a brand new series called Most Like God. You know, we are most like God when we give, when we are a giving people, because God wants us to, gener- gen- to create our lives into generosity, to orient our lives around being a generous people. That's different than just giving. Giving is when in that one moment you feel like, man, I want to be a part of this, and I want to give, I want to help out, and that's a great thing. But this is when you just make a decision to say, Lord, I want my life to be oriented around being generous. In other words, I don't want to just have a one-time gift. I want to be a one-time life that's lived in such a way that impacts people everywhere. That's a different way of thinking and a different way of living. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave, right? He gave his son, but he gave. And so when we give to others, when we give to the need, when we give to God, we are actually most like God when we are giving. I want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to show you something that maybe you haven't seen before in the Bible. It's right in front of us. And so, you know, I remember years ago I was in seminary, and one of the first lessons God taught me on giving was that you don't give when you have a lot. You give when God tells you to. You give when God speaks to you. I remember years ago, uh, the Lord was really kind of working on me about being a generous person. And, and, and I, I was like, well, Lord, I tithe. And God really began to speak to me about the Lord was saying, yes, I know you tithe, but what about offerings? I was like, 
<laughs> what? You know? And God began to speak to me about giving above the tithe. I was like, well, I thought it was sacrificial, Lord, to give 10%. You know? and, and God really began to speak to me that, no, that's the minimum give. That's the minimum requirement in Scripture. That's what God was saying to me was, was that that's mine already. You haven't really given to me yet until you've given beyond what is already required. And it was just like, wow, Lord, this is a mind-blowing thing for me to actually think about going beyond 10%. I remember saying, Lord, well, I don't know what you want me to give to, but whatever you want, Lord, you have my yes. If you'll just show me, I mean, I don't know how you're going to tell me what I, should, what I should give or who I should help out or what I should do. And right about that time, I'm literally sitting in a seminary class. The guy next to me hikes up his leg, just sitting next to me, listening to the lecture and puts it up like we're just sitting down. When he does, I look over, and he's a friend of mine. You know, I, knew, I barely knew him, but I looked over, and he, I could see his foot through his shoe. And right then I thought, he needs a pair of shoes. I could literally see right through his shoes. And, you know, seminary students are just known for being broke because we're all in school and just trying to get done. And at this point, you're in your master's program. So it's not, it's not like you're just going to college to have fun. And, you know, there's no, like, fraternities and sororities and that kind of There's none of that going on. You're just there to get school done and start your career and start your ministry, that kind of thing. And so I looked down, and I could literally see his foot. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. I know what you're telling me to do. So I looked at him. and I said, hey, man, what size shoe do you wear? He was like, what? And, I, and you know, he's like, he told me real quick, and he was like, okay, what was that about? You know, and we started focusing on the lecture again as, a, as the, the professor was talking to us. I went out there that afternoon, and I just found a pair of shoes and bought him some shoes and came back the next day and said, hey, after, after class, he was like, hey, what, what's up? I got, hey, I got something for you. He's like, what do you mean? And I pulled out uh, some shoes as a here, and he said, you bought me shoes? I was like, yeah, I just, you know, look like you could use a pair. I can't believe you bought me shoes, you know, and he kind of freaked out, and he, he put them on. I was like, I can't believe that. Ten years later, I'm speaking at a conference, a national conference, a bunch of pastors around the country there. He runs up to me and goes, you're the guy who bought me shoes. <laughs> you never know what God's going to do through something simple if we just begin to open our eyes and say, Lord, where can I help someone out? How can I make a difference? How can I, can I get involved in making change for people? How can I help be a part of the solution this world desperately needs. You know, guys, you don't have to look very far. Turn on the news today, and you will see bickering and fighting and the worst of humanity right now. The truth is, it's pretty obvious that people need the Lord. And one of the best ways that we show that we're real in our faith is by being a giving people, by being generous towards others, by helping those in need. You know, I'm really proud over the last few months of the difference our church has made in some of the, some of the roughest areas that got hit the hardest from the hurricane. You know, we have really stepped into that and really begun to make a difference. In fact, what's really cool, I've had major ministries from around the nation call us and say, hey, we've heard about what you're doing. They've heard about what we're doing and said, we want to get in on that and we want to help you help Others. Word's gotten out on the difference that you guys have made in Aransas Pass, Port Aransas, Rockport, Texas, Refurio, I mean, all at Bayside, you name it. Wherever the storm hit, you could find people in blue Church Unlimited shirts out there making an impact, making a difference. And so I just want to say thank you for the difference you have made. One of those people who saw what we were doing and said, we want to help, we want to make a difference, was a group called America's Mighty Warriors. They, it's a ministry, basically. It's a nonprofit that helps out uh, those uh, veterans who just need a leg up, need a help, uh, need a helping hand. And, and uh, Debbie Lee came to see us. She is the mother of Mark Lee. Mark Lee was the first SEAL killed, uh, Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. And uh, she started a nonprofit to help out veterans. It's an incredible ministry. She came to see us because she saw what we were doing and wanted to get in on that. Check out this video. Well, we are very excited to be here today. 
my son was the first Navy SEAL that was killed in Iraq, and he wrote an amazing letter that talked about doing more random acts of kindness and how we could change our world by those simple things. And so we like to do that for our veterans. And so we would like to present uh, your church this check for $50,000. Wow. Wow. Hopefully this will impact um, a lot of our veterans here who need that extra arm wrapped around them to let them know they're not alone. You may be going through difficulties, you may be going through trials, but you're not alone. And because we don't have boots on the ground, I live in Arizona, Denny's up in Dallas. You know, Denny said, let's reach out to Bill and this, he would be the perfect person and this church would be the perfect church to help us disperse the funds. So thank you so much. We are so excited to be partnering with you to be able to do this and make a difference in the lives of our veterans and other families who've lost a loved one. Thank you for all you do. We're honored and I'm excited I'm going to try not to cry, but I'm honored to honor your son's legacy. That's the ultimate sacrifice, and thank you for that. Cool, huh? It's really a neat thing. You know, uh, it was really cool. That, that very day, we knew she was coming in, and, and uh, basically, you know, I said, hey, if you're going to be here... We had already located a few veterans that just need some help that had lost everything in the storm. And so uh, with her, with us, they said, hey, hop in the car with us before you, before you fly back home. We want you to be a part of this. And so we committed that 100% of those resources are going to go directly to veterans. And so we are able to help out. So we found two veterans already uh, just through the course of helping people out in the Rockport area as well as other areas that needed help. And so we were able to, we have a couple pictures of some veterans that we were able to give some help to. One of them was a police officer uh, with Rockport PD that while he was out serving other people after the storm, he actually did not have a home to go home to. His home was totally destroyed. And so we were able to give him a little leg up. He had some insurance, but we were still able uh, to release a check for $5,000 to say, here's what insurance doesn't cover just to help you get some stuff. And so we were able to do that. Then there was another veteran that we found as well uh, that, that uh, through a, a, a close family member of mine had purchased a trailer from him. And, the, and, and he had asked him, why are you purchased a trailer? He said, I lost my entire home and I need a place to live. And uh, he uh, works with his hands and he lost all of his tools. Uh, in the storm, so we were able to provide some resources for him as well so he can go get the tools he needs to get back to work again. And so that's just a few of the people we were already able to help out. The reason I bring this up is it's not really about the money. I mean, we're just going to, guys, we're, we're not asking people to give to this ministry to the ministry. No, don't give to this ministry. Give through this ministry. Understand, it's not about stopping it here. It's about passing it on. And that to us is what we really want to be all about. There's a reason why Franklin Graham reached out to us. There's a reason why Dave Meyer, Joyce's husband, uh, reached out and said, hey, we hear you're on the ground, really make a difference. We want to give some resources to help you help those in need. And so I believe if they can believe in what we're doing and they don't even live here, then do we believe in what we're doing enough to give to this? Does that make sense? And so it's an honor to give. It really is. I want to show you something in Malachi chapter 3. It says this. Maybe you've, maybe you've read this verse before but never caught this part of it. It says this. Will a mere mortal or a man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and what? Offerings. Offerings. Wow. I mean, we, we probably caught the tithe part. Yeah, I know the Bible says you don't tithe, you rob them from God. No, it doesn't say that. It says if you don't tithe and bring offerings, you're robbing God. Just, just, just something to think about. Like, So God wants me... So not only tithe, but he wants me to live in an area that I call the graduated tithe. It's where we give 10% to the Lord. And then above and beyond that, we also say, Lord, I want to offer you something that you didn't ask for. 
It's kind of like I can buy my wife flowers for her birthday or, you know, for Valentine's Day. And that's sweet, but it's kind of expected, right? I mean, it's, it's the day that you do that. I mean, I mean, man, if you hadn't figured that one out, you're already in the hole. I hate to break it to you, okay? But that's just kind of like built in. You should do that on those particular days, right? But when it's just, you know, I, I brought you some flowers. Why? Because it's Tuesday, and I was thinking of you. That's the next level, right? You're like, I'm offering this to you beyond the cultural norms of I'm supposed to do this. I just want to do it. I just want to bring something to you because I love you and, and I'm just thinking about you. And, and I know it's not required, but I just felt led to do this just to show you that I, I love you. I'm offering up something beyond the norm. That's what an offering is. Verse 9 says what? It says, if we, if we don't do these things, God says, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's another word for the, for the temple. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, I want to be real careful before we start talking about generosity that you understand that you are not buying God's love. He already loves you. In fact, if anyone bought anyone, he already bought you with the price of his son that Jesus died for you. And so you're not, you're not, you're not going to give enough that God loves you. God already loves you. His, his love is, is, is grace. In other words, it means that he just loves you regardless. There's nothing you can do to mess that up. He already loves you completely. But what God's, when he speaks of this curse versus, versus living in blessing, is that God loves you unconditionally, but he blesses you upon condition. Just like, I love my kids unconditionally. But if they are acting in a way that's not honoring towards me, I can't bless them. If they begin to act in a way honoring towards us, right, then I can pour out blessings upon them, right? Does that make sense? And so every parent here understands this, that there's certain things you, you want to give your kids, but you literally have to hold back because you're like, man, I wish I could give this to them. They're just not proving mature enough to handle that blessing yet, right? And so the, the issue isn't, you know, will I let my kids, you know, have a car? I'd be glad to do that. You just got to prove that you have the maturity to handle the car before I give it, right? God's like, I would love to bless you with more. You just got to prove that you're worthy of that blessing, that I can trust you, entrust you with more. See, guys, God doesn't want us to live entitled like, we, what, like, like he owes us something. We're not entitled, we're entrusted with all that God has given us. I want to challenge you with this. Number one, I believe God is calling us to bring the tithe and offerings. And offerings are not an all-the-time thing. But all throughout the Bible, throughout the Old and New Testament, people gave offerings beyond the normal tithing, beyond the normal 10%. Again, some of you right now are freaking out like, you're telling me above 10% because 10% sounds really high. I understand that. It always sounds high to someone not doing it. But once you begin to do it, it's not that big of a deal. Running five miles seems crazy to me. You know why? I don't do it. But if you do it every day, it's kind of normal. Not that big of a deal anymore. And you just happen to get the benefit of an in-shaped body just because you made it normal. Well, if you make it normal to tithe, you just happen to get the benefit of an in-shaped financial life. Why? Because God clearly says here, test me this and see if I don't prove that I will pour out a blessing on you. So my question today isn't, you know, do I want to tithe because I want to be blessed? I want to give offerings because I want to be blessed. Actually, I think we got to, it's not just the, the, the carrot. You got to stop and look at the stick there too and say, wow, that means that, that if I'm not tithing or giving offerings, I'm literally under a financial curse. So you say, well, I'm not under some kind of financial curse. Well, just let me ask you something financially. How's it going? Is there any proof of either one, that you're under a financial blessing or, or, or a financial curse. 
I mean, you know, when people say, I couldn't tithe, it's just crazy, I don't have enough money. My first response to that is, well, maybe you don't have enough money because you don't tithe. Maybe it's because you're not in the financial blessing where the Lord's creating windfalls for you of opportunity. I believe God wants to do that for you. By the way, in the Bible, just, just to list off some of the offerings, there was the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the purification offering, the reparation offering, uh, the, the, the even offerings towards building the temple. Uh, there were missionary offerings. There's all kinds of offerings in the Bible. I mean, tons of them. And so, you know, th- there's so many. And then there's all these festivals, and at every festival they're expected to bring an offering. I don't know if you knew that. It was just a normal thing for them. I know this is going to sound really crazy, but I want to challenge you to orient your life in such a way that you regularly have resources to be able to bring offerings. You say, well, you're just trying to get money for the church. Well, first of all, that's not a bad thing because what we're trying to do is God's work. So I don't make any apologies for that. But I'm not just talking about here. What about when God tells you to give something to someone else? You know, one of the things that I want to challenge you to do is to become a giver in all ways. In fact, some people say, well, I'd love to give more, but I just don't have a lot of cash. Oh, don't ever let cash stop you from bringing an offering. This is where, you, if you read the Bible, people brought all kinds of stuff that had nothing to do with cash. In fact, the reason you don't have cash is because you bought too much stuff. So you should give stuff to God. Because clearly we know you have excess stuff. That's why you don't have any cash. Does that make sense? And so then you bring stuff to God. You know, here at our church, we had to open an eBay account years, uh, account years ago. You know why? Because during, during a season of offerings, people were bringing us fur coats, diamond rings, diamonds. Uh, people were bringing uh, expensive items that they had collected, all kinds of stuff. We were given sea dues motorcycles, cars like crazy. I bet by the end of the week, and we'll have several cars given to us, and you just bring it on, I already know who needs a car. No problem. That's what we do. In the, in the book of Acts, people gathered and, and they just gave to anyone who had need. The church should be the one place people don't have needs because we just meet each other's needs. We're just serving one another and giving to one another. There should not be a need in his house. That's the way God designed it, is for us to be a generous people that when there's a need, you just meet it. You know, I grew up with parents that just always were giving. I mean, I don't know how many times that, you know, they would give a furniture set away or they get a new washer dryer, but they always made sure that they had the old washer dryer working well and they would give it to someone, you know. Uh, they, they would give all kinds of items. I mean, we, my, my family, we're that way too. And, and my, my brother-in-law, my sister, they're very generous people. They, I, I don't know how many years my parents had people living with us that weren't relatives. I mean, all the time, we had every intern, at our church, it seemed always went through our doors. And it was great. I grew up uh, as a student with some student intern, you know, two doors down from me in my own house all the time. Uh, I, I, my, my sister does this now. You know, I mean, we're always just giving, helping people. That's just something, it's part of who we are. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. Does that make sense? You know, my wife and I, we enjoy giving our cars away. I just think, you know, if I trade it in, it's only going to be worth a couple payments, but it can be a miracle to someone else. So just little things like that. Maybe you never thought about that before, but why, why are you going to go take the car that you know they're going to underpay you for that thing anyways? Right? Let's just be honest. They're going to rip you off anyways. Why don't you instead use that to really bless someone, to blow their mind and be a blessing to someone else, you know? And you say, well, I have some old clothes. Please do not bring your old clothes to church because of this. That is not what God wants for you to do. I can promise you that. You know why? Every ministry, when we started doing the hurricane relief, told us do not accept clothing. Why? People are going to dump their trash on you. That's not the kind of giving God's talking about. Actually, I would say, you want to give clothes? No problem. Get your best suit out. Get your best dress, ladies, most expensive one you have, and give that to someone. See, we give God our best, not our worst, right? That's, that's the way we got, we got to start thinking differently about this. 
And when we begin to think like that, we, we can bring offerings of all kinds of things, not only to the Lord, but to others who have need. Let me show you a scripture. This kind of blew my mind when I really realized what was going on. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. The Apostle Paul is, is speaking of the, Corinth, the church in Corinth and how they gathered an offering to then send to another location for another church getting started. In other words, one campus gave to another campus. That sounds like a church I know. Check it out. It says this. It says, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Isn't that the opposite of what we think? Like, if you're in extreme trials and you're hurting financially, shouldn't that overflow in you praying more or asking for help? No, in their poorness, in their being broke, in their bad economy, in their difficult time, what rose up was generosity. Total opposite of what we think. I want to challenge you with something that, that, that God has really instilled in me over the years is that when I'm broke, when things are tight, when I don't know how to pay a certain bill, the first thing I begin to say is, Lord, are you asking an offering from me? Because I know your word tells me I'm not supposed to be, ever be broke because you always provide. So, Lord, if I'm this tight, then that means it's been a while since I've offered something beyond the tithe to you. What do you want, Lord? And so when I'm tight is when I actually give offerings, which may surprise you. You say, well, I'm tight all the time. You're going to be giving offerings all the time then. But you won't stay tight. That's how that works. And so I know that sounds kind of funny. You say, I don't have any money. Well, then you probably have items. And so you say, Lord, what do I have two of that I can give one away? Do you have an extra bed in your home? There's people who don't have beds. Give them a bed. Do you have, do you have an extra chest or drawer somewhere? Do you have an extra dining set? Give that to someone. Find a young couple that just got married. I promise you they could use it. Does that make sense? In fact, the truth is, I bet the first dining set you had was given to you. Someone probably helped you out, right, with a bed or a dining set or, or, or maybe they helped pay for your first semester at college or, 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 or bought your, your books for college or, 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 or gave you an old car. Maybe you had a grandmother or grandfather who said, you know what, take my old car and, and just drive, the, you know, drive what's left out of that. And that was a huge blessing to you. We've all had someone help us out. My question is, have you passed that along to someone else? Have you taken what, what has been instilled in you when someone gave to you and, and helped someone else? And so I believe, number two, our church will lead the way in irrational generosity. It says here these people were broke, so they gave an offering. Verse 3, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. But since you excel in everything, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. Excelling in something means that you go beyond what you normally do. Let me ask you something. Are you willing this year to give more than you gave last year? And next year, will you give more? Will you constantly be setting your own personal best? Toward next year, I want to give more than I gave this year. And the year after that, I want to really blow my mind. In fact, I hope that five years from now, what I'm giving to the Lord, I can't even imagine that I could even give it today. But the Lord will make that possible. I have friends now that actually are able to tithe what they used to earn annually. Think about that for a second. Would that be a great thing? We, we have income goals, don't we? Think about that. You're like, oh, one day I want to make $100,000 a year. Whoa, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. What about changing your mindset and saying, Lord, I'm praying for the day that I'm giving $100,000. Well, I'd have to make a lot of money to be able to do it. Exactly. Now you get the point. I guess the Lord would have to bless you in an amazing way to be able to give like that. Does that make sense? You say, well, that's totally irrational to give like that. 
you don't believe in irrational giving and you don't believe in love. Anyone who's married understands what irrational giving is. If you don't believe me, men, reach over right now to your wife's hand and just look at the rock on her finger right now and try to make rational sense of that. That is a totally irrational gift. Thousands upon thousands of dollars for something that just sits on your finger. It will not drive you to work. It will not pay the light bill. It will not put food on the table. It will take food off the table. That is an irrational gift. But you do it because you love this person. And when you bought it, it was your most broke point of your life. Shouldn't I buy this 50 years into marriage, not the first year? Right? But you want to do it because you want to say, honey, this is worth the sacrifice. You are worth the sacrifice. I am more than willing to do this. It's irrational. God wants us to become irrational in our giving. Years ago, we needed to start the church, and so we were in seminary, totally broke. We had saved up several thousand dollars, which was for us a lot of money. In fact, at one point, I believe we had saved up over three or four years. I think it was five or six thousand dollars. That first six thousand dollars is what we started the church on, all of our, sav- our whole savings account. That's what we started the church on. And other people joined in. In fact, people from around the country gave money to a church that hadn't even started yet. That's how we're even here is because people helped us get started. That we in turn, by the way, had tried to be a good steward of that, and we have helped start churches around the world. In fact, did you know that your church, every time you give, did you know the last 20 years you have helped this church start 100 churches across the world in the last 20 years? Did you know that? 100. Over 100. It's an honor to do just that. Do me a favor right now. Pull out this envelope and open it. Would you do that real quick? Would you open this envelope that you were given on the way in? And as you open it, we are introducing an offering that we feel led to do called the All Things New Offering. Go ahead and tear it open. I love hearing the tearing everywhere right now across the campus. This is all good. Please open it up if you would real quick. As you do that, you'll notice that there's an envelope. There is a commitment card. If you'll set those aside real quick. And there's a brochure. And if you open this, we're actually asking our entire church to prayerfully consider if the Lord would be leading you to give to what we call the All Things New First Annual Offering. This is going to be three weeks from now. We're asking you to take this home, and you'll notice when you open it up, there's a prayer guide in here. We're asking you to pray, like genuinely take this serious, pray through this and say, God, what would you have me do end of year here towards your work above and beyond what we normally give? It does not help if you just simply transfer your tithe into another envelope. That's really not extra giving at that point. But Lord, I want to offer you something beyond what I normally do to your work. And, you know, people say, oh, I can't give that much. I just don't have that much loose cash. But you know what? When you want that flat screen TV, you get creative, don't you? When you want that furniture, oh, it's, you know what? It's, it's zero interest for two years, right? So we sign on the dotted line. We sign all the lives away right then and there because we just got to have that new leather couch. We just have to have that reclining chair. We just have to have that flat screen, right? And so we do installment plans. Guess what? You can give to the Lord with an installment plan right in front of you. You say, what can I do? And so from, from three weeks from now all the way till Easter, all over into next year, if you say, well, I really want to give something sacrificially, but I don't have it all on me now, then you know what? Just say, I'm going to pace this out. Every week I'm going to give 10 extra dollars, 20 extra dollars, 50 extra dollars. And by the time Easter gets here, look at what you can give. It's pretty impressive, actually, if you take a look at what you can do, the impact you can make. Some of you aren't going to think of it that way at all. Some of you are just going to say, I'm just going to ride a check. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to, you know, the Lord's blessed. Maybe your IRA, maybe your stocks are up. Maybe you don't even have stocks. You say, but I don't know why, but I look at my savings account. There's more in there. I don't know how that happened, but Lord, you've been good to me. I want to give something above and beyond to you today. And so I just want to encourage you to prayerfully consider the difference that you 
can make. A couple things we're going to do with this offering, by the way. First of all, we're going to renew some things. The Bible says he makes all things new, and we, we need to renew some technology. Did you know right now if our cameras went out or if our satellite went down, you know it would take up to six weeks to replace that, which means all of our campuses watching me live right now, it'd be six weeks so you'd see it live again. We've been running that risk for years. Why? And we've had it go out, and we've had to rent very expensive equipment just to keep it going before because we have no backup system. And so we, this, when we had one or two campuses, okay, we could run that risk, run a DVD to another campus for a while if we had to do that. Guys, we have too many campuses to do that now. It's time to have a backup system. And so we want you to have a fresh word from God every single week. As God's given it to me, you should be hearing it. And so we need a backup system. That's just one of the things. But also, we know that Rockport, Texas, we know this is huge, and this is the number one thing we're going to do. If nothing else happens, Rockport's going to happen. God put on my heart when I walked through our broken down campus and walked through that broken down city. God told me, Jesus' words, I make all things new. And we feel led by God to tell you today that God has led us as a church that we are going to build a brand new facility in Rockport, Texas. We're very excited about that. Here's a picture of that facility, by the way. That's what we're going to build. Very excited about that. You know, people from all over the country have already given resources towards this. We don't have all the money yet, but if people that don't even live here can believe in what we're doing in Rockport, then maybe we should believe in it enough to put our own skin in the game and say, I want to sacrifice towards this as well. As you all know, also, we have felt led to go into San Antonio with a new campus. We believe God's going to give us the day that we have many campuses all across San Antonio, by the way. And so it's time to establish a beachhead, to, to, to go ahead and storm the beaches of Normandy, so to speak, to get that first established location in the city of San Antonio that we can then branch out all across San Antonio, reaching people for Christ. And so I want to show you a picture of what we're going to build right off of 281 in the heart of Stone Oak. That's what we'd like to build as well. Very excited about that. We want to reach more people for Christ. And so I want to challenge you to ask the question, God, what would you have me do towards this, Lord? Are you leading me to give in this way? Please check out this video. I remember we were invited to a dinner where Pastor Bill explained his vision um, for what he saw and it was this building that he had a vision for and coming from the Moose Lodge that was huge so that's when I decided I prayed really hard <laughs> and um, decided on my commitment I did not grow up in a family that tithed or definitely did not give didn't even go to church so <laughs> tithing was a new concept above and beyond giving um, was unheard of so the first giving campaign when Pastor Bill laid out the vision for the new church was really cool. It was cool to be part of something that that big. And I knew the church at that point, the staff was just working really hard. I think we had seven or eight services that time. And so they really, it, the need was very compelling because it was not just, hey, we need a bigger building. It was, we've done everything we can here. So we need you guys to do everything you can to help increase. And for me, I was not making a lot of money at the time. So the, the amount that kept coming in the back of my head was like, what? I was like, yeah. there's no way I, I could get this done. But I just went ahead and committed anyways. And it, it, was, it was tough. There was things that were delayed that we had to delay, new car purchases. But it was really just cool to be a part of something that was much bigger than just me. There was a message that Pastor Bill did, at, and it was during the offering time. He said, 
if you complete your commitments to God, he'll wipe your debt. And there was a, it was, we're at a point where we had to decide, do we pay off the giving campaign or do we pay off our tax debt? And we made the commitment to pay off the giving campaign. And so we went and got a cashier's check brought to the church, handed it over to the office, and just walked out knowing we fulfilled that commitment. And about a month later, our tax debt went from being a tax debt to an actual refund. And it was a huge swing. And it was just one of those moments where it was like, holy, holy cow, this, this, this is actually... Did this really it just, just happen? just really happened. And it was one of that, I mean, that's a recent moment for us. And that was one of those moments for me. It was like, okay, I'm experiencing God on a level I don't think I've allowed myself to experience up to this point. This is not just about buildings. It's about getting people into church to know Jesus. And if it costs me 50 bucks, 100 bucks, $500 a week to help more people, yes, sign me up. You know, years ago, you know, uh, there was a, a, a handful of people in, compared to the size of our church today that sacrificed to build the building that I preach from each weekend now here at the broadcast. And out of the broadcast campus is where the resources came because of the generosity of this campus to open all of the other campuses that we have. So there's a handful of people that really helped start all that. If you were here 10 plus years ago sacrificing to help build the broadcast, and you may even go to one of the other campuses now, that's great. Would you right now just stand to your feet at whatever campus you're at so we can just honor your sacrifice that you made years ago? Would you stand to your feet, those people who were with us, early on sacrificing so we could be here today? Let's give these people a hand at all of our campuses right now. What an honor it is. Thank you. We would not be here without you. We're so grateful. Thank you. It's so neat to see some familiar faces from so many years ago. And I don't know who that young preacher was on the video. I was like, who is that guy? Man, it's like a kid. It's crazy. So... You know, but God, in the same way we have that pride of knowing that we sacrificed early for those that are here today, you can say 10 years from now when I say, hey, you remember back in the day when I challenged everyone to give to the all things new? And I want to challenge you to be one of those people 10 years from now, a little older and grayer and fatter, but we'll all stand together and say, I was a part of that. In other words, what I'm trying to say in a nice way is someone paid for the chair you're sitting in. Will you help pay for the next chair for someone else to sit in? so that someone else can find Christ, so that someone else can experience the love of God. I believe God may be leading all of us to be a part of that. In fact, you know what? Uh, we're also going to be sending out invitations. To, we're going to have leader dinners at all of our campuses that you will be invited. If you're a leader, we're trying to identify you and to invite you to one of these dinners to come out and just say, "Let me." we're going to go into great detail about what we're going to do in detail and then ask you to be a part of that. So you should be getting an invitation in the old snail mail, so be sure to check your mailbox at least occasionally and, uh, and, and, and get your invite. But we want to invite you to that. So another thing I want to tell you, Isaiah 32, 8 says this, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. So if you're keeping up, number one, God is calling us to bring tithes and offerings. Number two, our church will lead the way in irrational generosity. And number three, to live generous requires planning. As silly as that sounds, if you really want to become a, someone who really gives and, and lives a generous life, you have to plan your life around that. So when my wife and I think about major purchases, our giving has been factored into that. They say, well, was that going to hurt us from being able to give more? And so we make sure it, that it doesn't. 
That's a big part of, uh, of who we are as, 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 as a family. In the same way, are you willing to make plans to be able to give more to the Lord? It's incredible what you can do if you just do a little planning. Look at Luke chapter 638. It says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, and, and it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I know many of you say, well, I'm not worried about what I get back. I just want to give to the Lord. That's great. That's the right attitude. We just want to be a giving people. But the Lord is someone who keeps his own word. So when he says, if you give to me, I'll give back to you. But, but he also says, I'll give back to you in direct measurement to how you measured out your giving. So let's think about that for a second. That means, okay, Lord... I want to give to you today, and so this is the bucket that I have that you provided for me. So, Lord, I'm gonna, I want to give you a, a portion of that. And many of us think, man, I, I'm going to give crazy today. I'm, I'm just unloading it on God. You, you are, but, but has, your, has your shovel graduated? Have, have you ever increased the shovel? Knowing that if you increase the shovel, God's going to give you more than your little bucket can even hold. So at some point we say, okay, Lord, you know what? I've been giving for a while, but... The Bible says to, to exceed, to excel in your giving. So I, this is what I'm used to doing. But Lord, it's time for me to grow in my faith, to, to mature in every area, including, as the Bible says, to mature in my giving, which means I want to step it up. I want to get some of that kindergarten giving now, right? I want to start increasing the size of, of what I'm giving you, Lord. And, and when you do that, God's going to give you more than a small bucket full back. And maybe you've experienced this when you begin to step it up. You immediately saw God step up his resource base right back to you. And some of you say, you know what, it's time for me to really grow up in my faith. It's time for me to actually learn to, to really dig deep. And, and actually, in this kind of giving, you break some roots of what you're used to. You're like, oh man, there's some roots I'm breaking through here. I'm kind of making a mess a little bit here. But that's the only way you can give deep is that you got to look up and when you give, and when you finally pull it up and you give, when you look, you're like, oh, that, that, that left a hole. But Lord always refills holes. And so when you give a little more, then God will bless you with even more. And then some of you have begun to experience God in such a fresh way, and you're giving it. You say, Lord, I, I, I never thought, I didn't, know that, I didn't know they built these. I didn't know this existed, right? I mean, this is a whole other level of giving. And so when I give this much, Lord, what are you going to do back? And you get to see the goodness of God in a way maybe you never even dreamed of. You know, my wife and I, we don't talk about our giving a lot. In fact, Jessica always gets real uncomfortable when I talk about what we do personally, and you know, because we don't do it for, for that reason. But you know, years ago, the Lord led us to give our whole savings to start the church, and you know, God really taught us to be generous people, and, and, and we always give a, a portion of what we have um, every month. We, we factor in every year what we can give above and beyond our tithe and build it into our giving. To our, our regular giving is actually more than our tithe. Uh, we want to do that e each year, but then on top of that, we, we also oftentimes will just give to here and there to different individuals or, or people or needs or ministries beyond what we're also giving to the church, uh, but we also give above and beyond the tie to the church. And, and over the last few years, I, I know for a fact that at least three times we have given, just drained our IRA completely, just, just gave our whole uh, savings, uh, our whole retirement to the Lord, and God has always more than replenished that. And so, and he does it in unique ways every time. I remember the time when we just felt led to give every single thing to the Lord. And, 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 and by doing that, God then gave, us, uh, gave me a book deal. I didn't even know that existed. And, and, and it equaled my entire retirement. I was shocked. And then, of course, guess what the Lord led me to do? Give the book deal. And then the Lord has replenished that again as well. And so the, you get to get in on this flow to where you, you give to the Lord more than you ever dreamed you would do, but then you see God bless you more than you ever dreamed he would do. 
Then you give again more than you ever dreamed you'd, you'd give. And then you see God bless you more than you ever dreamed he'd bless you. And you see this flow begin to happen. And it becomes, frankly, it goes from being scary to being downright exciting to be able to give to God like this. There, there's joy in dropping the keys of your car in someone else's hands. There's joy in paying off someone's debt. There's joy in blessing someone and blowing their mind. There's joy in giving to God more than you ever dreamed possible, thinking, Lord, this is so scary and crazy. And you just sense God saying, yeah, I know, and I got you. And I see it, and I'm going to bless your socks off. And then you see God do that. Because when you do this, you begin to step into the promise of God's provision in a unique way. But it does require some planning. So I want to challenge you to consider this, to consider doing something larger for God than you've ever done before. You say, I can't believe you'd even ask that. The truth is someone's going to ask you. Someone's already asking you. The United Way is asking you. You know, the March of Dimes asking you. All great causes, I believe, in a lot of the things that they do. But what about God's house? What's the real difference maker in this world? If we don't give them Jesus, who's going to give it to them? That's our job, is to take Christ everywhere. And so I don't want to see missionaries pulled off the field because they don't have the funds. So we're going to do our part as church. I want to make sure we're starting churches, that we're helping people on the west side of our city, that we're making an impact in Haiti, that we're helping people in Honduras, that we're making an impact in Iraq, that we're helping make a difference. I mean, we, you wouldn't believe the things we get to be in on. It's exciting. To, I remember the, the day a friend of mine that, that works in spec ops called me and he said, I normally am doing stuff for the government, you know, doing all this secret stuff that needs to be done, but I got something I need you to help me with. Would you go spec ops missionary on me? I was like, absolutely. What do you need? And he said, I need 10,000 feminine hygiene kits. I said, what? He said, these women, they, they, they're told by their husbands here that it's illegal in their religion to be able to take care of their time of the month. Forgive me, I'm not trying to be graphic here, but, and, and, and they're getting infections. Some of them are even dying from this. Can you just help out? I was like, yes, we will. I remember our church just found the resources, and we, you know, I didn't know this existed. We basically shipped a gigantic package of a feminine hygiene kit to Afghanistan, to women who had walked 90 miles to escape ISIS. These women with tears in their eyes are thanking my friend, you know, and, and, and there's, there's an Islamic imam there that is refusing to help, and another Islamic imam that, that says, I wish I could help, but I, the law is against it, I can't do it. And so this imam, imam means spiritual man, went to my friend and said, do you have an imam in America that can help you, a spiritual man? He said, I do have a spiritual man. Let me call him. And it was really funny. We had a big laugh afterwards because he told me, hey, my imam friend over there, my Muslim imam said, you must have a powerful imam in America. He said, he's a very powerful imam. <laughs> and we were able to make a difference. Those are the kind of things we get to do. When you don't care who gets the credit, it's incredible what you can be a part of. It's about giving God glory and just saying, I want to be generous with my life. Those are just a few of the things that we get to be a part of. To be generous requires some planning. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, we'll close with this. Jesus said this. The only time we see Jesus pointing out someone's giving, and people say, well, it's not right. You should be looking at other people give. Well, Jesus did. This is what he said. He said, hey, check her out. Look what she just gave. That's incredible. And look who Jesus pointed out. It's very interesting. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. Oh, he's going to point them out, right? It's going to be the rich guy. It's going to be the rich person. It's going to be some millionaire and how they give this big gift, right? How many of us dream of being that philanthropic person, right? Wouldn't it be so cool, you know, if we could be that big giver, right? The Bruce Wayne of the world who throws a big lavish party and everyone shows up and we go, and today I'm writing a check for $10 million, right? And we all think that'd be so cool to be able to do that, right? We all dream as kids, like, one day I want to be like super Howard, superhero status, super celebrity status, be able to write a check for millions of dollars to help people. 
Well, when is that day coming? When, is, when are we going to grow up to do that? Well, I mean, if I had a million dollars, you do have a million dollars. Based upon your current income over your lifetime, you'll make a million dollars. You're just making it in installments. So since you're making it in installments, are you giving off of your installments? Or are we just waiting to have this gigantic one-time gift? The truth is, is that if we're not giving now, why would the Lord entrust us with, with more? So who did Jesus point out? Since he wasn't the rich person, it says this. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. She put in two cents. Verse 3, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And I will tell you right now, I know we don't bring this up, but I want to bring up the biggest givers in our church. I know we don't say this, I don't want to embarrass people, but I feel like you deserve to know the truth about the people who give to the church. Who are the largest contributors to Church Unlimited. I feel like you should know this, and I'm not kidding. I make this. This is truth. This is facts I'm giving you right now. I'm going to expose our own finances so you know the truth. The largest percentage givers in our church, unquestionably not even a close second, largest period is this, number four. Follow the example, the largest percentage givers in our church, single moms. They're the largest givers by far, not even a close second. Well, what about the guy who gives hundreds of thousands of dollars? You know what? The truth is a single mom that makes $3,000 a month and ties $300 a month off of that, then something like this comes around and they put in $1,000 or $2,000 extra that they don't have, that they commit to this, and they're a single mom with three kids, barely make it, and they're giving you this. Where does it leave you and me? It leaves us without excuse. They say, if they can do that, and they do it every day, guys, every campus. I asked one of my campus pastors, I said, is this true? And they literally shook their head and said, not only are they the best givers, they're the best servers as well. It's true. Our nursery, with their own kids there, are full of single moms watching our kids. It's crazy. If people like that can give sacrificially, what can you and I do? It's a true story of a guy named John Bechtel. He was a missionary in Hong Kong. Uh, there was a giant multi-million dollar resort that went into bankruptcy, and God put it on his heart to buy this huge resort. He's a missionary, meager income. The Lord put it on his heart, buy this thing, turn it into a Christian camp to lead thousands upon thousands of people here in Hong Kong to the Lord. He traveled all over the nation and all over the world trying to raise money for this, and no one really gave much at all. He was so frustrated, he came back home just, just so disappointed, just, just saying, Lord, I, I really thought this something you put in my heart. And then a few weeks after, when he got home, as he went back to his missionary endeavors, the Lord uh, caused some little girl in, in, in some other part of the world to send him a letter. He read the letter, he opened it up, and in the letter it said, you know, dear missionary Bechtel, I just want to help out, and I want to give something to help you buy that camp. And so I hope this helps. And in closing there was a $1 bill. God spoke to him so strongly. He said, okay, I'm going to go to the bank with my dollar. He called the bank, he went into closing, and the bankruptcy, the, the, the bankruptcy court accepted the $1 purchase of the multi-million dollar hotel, and he converted that thing, and that thing has had over a million people go to camp there, and over 100,000 people have been saved because of one little girl's $1 offering given from a genuine heart to help people. You never know what God can do through you. Will we be a generous people? Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment to pray. This ministry has been built 
on the generosity of people that want to see lives changed. Will you join us in that? Would you help pay it forward, so to speak, because someone helped pay for the seat you sit in? Would you help pay it forward as we change lives and continue to make an impact in Rockport, San Antonio, all around the world, planting churches, all the great work that we get to do? Will you give to that? Will you say, Lord, I want to become a generous person? I'm not asking you to choose to give today. That's not what I'm asking. I believe God is asking us to choose to be generous in our entire lives. We say, well, okay, I'll give you a one-time gift. No, no, no. I'm asking you to give your one-time life fully to the Lord. What do you mean my life? I mean, I mean, say, Lord, I'm going to give you my yes now on the front end, and I'll spend the rest of my life answering the yes. Whenever you ask God, whenever, whatever, and forever, how much you want, it's all yours, God. It's all yours. Will you give God your yes today or whatever you want from me? I'll honor you. Lord, if you'll just keep your promise, God, that you'll always provide back so I can continue to live and continue to be a blessing to my family, I'll give to you. I'll put you first. If you'll make that commitment to him, would you just raise your hand high to God today and say, Lord, I, I promise you, I'll give you my yes. I, I want to be a generous person. I want to be that person that really helps people. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for overcoming your fear and saying, Lord, I don't know how I can do it, but I'm just gonna, I just got to trust you. That's it. That's the key. Thank you, God, that we can be your people, that we can be generous and make an impact here and around the world. I pray, Lord, that we be those kinds of people. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his son. Jesus died on the cross for you, paying the price of your sins, and he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray this prayer and receive Christ right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.